Hello, podcast world, and greetings from Nashville, Tennessee. If you know anything about me, you know that I am a child of the 70s. And it is, of course, the era that produced the very best music on the planet and had the coolest bell-bottoms ever that I'm secretly hoping will come back into style before I die. But today I want to dive into a song that was released by Joni Mitchell back in the late 60s. So what does that have to do with anything, you ask? Well, stick around. Welcome to Deeply Spiritual, but Rather Uncertain. I need to make a couple of disclaimers as we get going today. First of all, we have currently parked our house on wheels at a beautiful campground in the woods of central Tennessee. Our home is currently a 35-foot fifth-wheel RV, and it isn't very conducive for recording, so you will certainly hear the extensive bird life here, as well as children, maybe a boat passing by. I hope it's not all too distracting. Secondly, I need to give credit where credit is due. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of having coffee with Stan Mitchell, who's the founding pastor of Grace Point Church here in Nashville. It's an amazing place, and it's the church that Sheila and I call home. Stan is no longer officially involved in Grace Point, but he has a massive social media influence that I know some of you follow as he advocates for the LGBTQI community, specifically the Christian community. But I'll put both Grace Point and Stan's links in the show notes below if that interests you. But back to the point, Stan and I spent about two and a half hours talking about life and theology and deconstruction and the church. And in our conversation, he reminded me of this song from the late 60s by Joni Mitchell called Both Sides Now. I have been a fan of Joni Mitchell's for many years, and so I knew exactly the song he was speaking of. And if you had played it, I could have easily sung along. But until he brought it up, I had never realized the brilliance of the song written by a 21-year-old woman. I told him I was going to have to steal his idea for a podcast. Um, so if you ever come across him talking about this, you'll know it was his idea and not mine. Joni Mitchell speaks into something that I really have given a lot of thought to over the years. She speaks of different stages of life in terms of how we see things or how we understand situations. It's as if there are like these different filters through which we look that makes things look radically different. In mid-1979, Sheila and I were in missionary training, getting ready to embark on a two-year short-term mission to South Africa that, as you know, turned into 32 years. But in that training, we were taught the three phases that most missionaries go through while living in a new culture. Phase one is everything is absolutely amazing. Every new sight and new cultural experience is seen as an adventure. You can hardly find anything bad in your new culture. 
But then eventually phase two kicks in. For some, it happens quickly. For Sheila and I, it took quite a long time. And the truth is that you don't actually have any control over phase two. It just happens. It's usually drawn out over time. It's a bit different for everybody. But when you are full on phase two, everything is terrible. You long for the sights and the sounds and the smells of home. Every new cultural experience is seen as less than. It's very easy to become judgmental and arrogant. Stage two is not an easy place to be. In fact, lots of people bail on their overseas experience in stage two. Remember the story of the Exodus in the Bible? The Jewish people had just been freed from slavery and now they're in the desert and phase two kicks in big time. And they start to complain about the manna that God was providing. They actually started to believe that where they had come from, slavery at the hand of the Egyptians, was better than the freedom they found themselves in now. At least in slavery, they got decent food and manna was boring. That's stage two. But if you work through stage two, stage three will eventually kick in. It's when you get to the point where you begin to feel at home in your new culture. It's not that you reject your old culture or that you even make choices about which one is better. What begins to happen is you take the experience of your home culture combined with the experiences of your new culture and you create something new and different and more wonderful than you could have ever imagined. You find yourself at home in both cultures, appreciating the beauty and the joy of each. These stages of thinking in life don't, don't just happen to missionaries. They happen in all kinds of areas of life to one degree or another. Like take marriage. Everything is wonderful. Everything is terrible. And then at some point, stage three kicks in where I would be absolutely lost without my partner. Or take parenting. You find the same kinds of patterns of thinking. You spend nine months imagining how perfect this child is going to be. And it only takes about two weeks of sleep deprivation for stage two to kick in. You parents know exactly what I'm talking about. But, but these patterns of thinking are also found in our faith journey. And that's what I want to talk about today. So let's get back to the Joni Mitchell song. As a 21-year-old woman, she knew something about life that many people never really see. She understands these phases or these stages of life in a profound way. So here's verse 1, and she begins by talking about clouds. And she says this, Rows and flows of angel hair and ice cream castles in the air and feather canyons everywhere, I looked at clouds that way. So that's stage one. Now listen to stage two. But now they only block the sun. They rain and snow on everyone. So many things I could have done, but clouds got in my way. 
And now the chorus breaks into stage three. I've looked at clouds from both sides now, from up and down, and still somehow it's clouds' illusions I recall. I really don't know clouds at all. In verse 2, she talks about love in the same way. Moons and Junes and Ferris wheels, the dizzy dancing way you feel, as every fairy tale comes real, I've looked at love that way. But now it's just another show, and you leave them laughing when you go, and if you care, don't let them know, don't give yourself away. I've looked at love from both sides now, from give and take, and still somehow it's love's illusions I recall. I really don't know love at all. In verse 3, she does the same thing about life. It's just all so brilliant. In Christian world, numerous authors and theologians have written about these stages of thinking and seeing Christianity, God, the Bible, and everything that makes up our religion. Richard Rohr speaks of these three stages as being order, disorder, and reorder. I've heard some talk about the first naivete, and then this critical thinking stage being stage two, and then a second naivete. Uh, Brian McLaren chose to use four stages the first stage he calls simplicity. Then he kind of divides the middle stage into two different stages that he calls pragmatism and perplexity. And then finally, he calls stage three harmony. All of these authors use different language for pretty much the same ideas. There's this stage in life where everything is simple. It's all in order. It's this kind of naivete, if you will. Everything is wonderful. Then there's another stage in our faith journey in which everything becomes disorder. We engage in critical thinking. In other words, we doubt and we question everything, and it can feel very much like a desert. Then there's this final stage of reorder or harmony or the second naivete. It's when you can see things from both sides now when you realize you really don't know clouds at all, but that's okay. You're at peace with not knowing. Of course, coming up with three stages and three different names for each stage can be helpful, but it is limited at best because there's no clear boundaries between each stage. There's not a graduation ceremony between stage two and stage three. Sometimes we move back and forth between stages depending on how we are feeling. And some stages are quite intense for some and not so intense for others. And these stages are about how we see the world. And that might even change from day to day. Some, for me, some days I feel like I'm in stage three. And other days I feel like I've gone backwards and starting all over. And that's all okay. So I want to focus a bit on what that middle stage looks like, especially when it comes to this thing we call Christianity. What does that critical thinking stage, that disorder stage, look like? 
The stage when all I see in clouds is rain and snow and a lack of sunshine and they just get in the way. Theologians talk about liminal space. It's the place between where we are and where we're going. It's the, the nine months of being pregnant. It, it's that four weeks when you're finishing out your contract at one job and waiting to move to a new job. It's the engagement period between the proposal and the marriage. It's the time when you have finished your degree and now you're out looking for a job. Liminality, the space between. Oftentimes, liminal space is difficult to manage. It can feel like you are all alone. It can feel like you're in an absolute desert. This liminal space, especially in our faith journey, can also seem like a bit of a contradiction because other areas of your life might be thriving. Your job and your family might be 10 out of 10, but your spiritual journey is like minus 10. I've never come across a list of things that trigger or push people into this disorder phase, but I've come across some common themes both in my reading as well as talking to people. Spiritual abuse is a trigger that comes up quite often. One of those things that pushes us out of that first phase of our spiritual journey. The other day while I was driving, I heard an advertisement for a law firm that specializes in church abuse cases. How crazy is that? I have a friend who is studying trauma counseling, hoping to specialize in spiritual abuse counseling because the need is so huge. Spiritual abuse and spiritual trauma certainly has the potential to push us into this disorder, critical thinking phase of our spiritual journey. I mean, that might be worth a whole podcast someday by itself because it is such a huge topic. Another trigger I see is when people feel like God didn't show up in their time of need. They had this idea drilled into them over and over that God answers prayer, that God will always show up if you pray hard enough and believe all the right things and follow the rules and have enough faith. And so they tried their best to follow the rules and they prayed as hard as they could and they believed everything even when it didn't make sense. And yet God was silent, nowhere to be found. God didn't show up. My trigger was that I started reading the Bible. <laughs> I know that sounds strange, but I think it's a trigger for lots of people. I started reading the Bible critically. I started to see and to admit inconsistencies in the text. I started to see in the scriptures images of a God that didn't line up with the life of Jesus. I was forced to let go of the idea of inerrancy and authority of scripture. It was a difficult season. I know plenty of people whose journey is very similar to mine. I think one of the most difficult parts for many is that oftentimes the community of people around them don't understand this struggle of disorder. 
And so on top of everything else, they feel alienated from the people that they need the most in this season of their lives. I'm really grateful that that's not my story. And even though some of my community don't get it, I have been supported and loved in the midst of it. For many people, they feel like the only answer is just to bail on the whole Christianity thing. Sometimes for a season, sometimes for good. I know plenty of people who grew up in evangelicalism or Catholicism or mainline Christianity who would now consider themselves atheists or agnostics. If that's you, you get no judgment from me. It's your path, your journey, nobody else's, and you have to walk it. For those of you that are in that liminal space, that disorder phase, that period where nothing makes much sense, I want to offer up a few suggestions. Some of these might be helpful and others not so much, but take what you can and run with it. First of all, be kind to yourself. You don't have to figure out everything today. This is part of your journey. It's a very important part. It's a road that you have to travel. Don't see yourself as a bad Christian. Don't view your questions and doubt as a lack of faith. Faith is about walking the road when you don't know where it's going. Find people that you can talk to, that really understand, people that won't judge you. Or just try to convince you to go backwards or tell you that your questions and doubts are bad. If you are in a church that's toxic for you, then get out. And believe me, I know how hard that can be. I also know how freeing that can be. I've heard of some people who decide to stay where they are so they can convince everybody around them that they are right I don't see that as very helpful, and I don't know if it's ever actually worked. Of course, if you're engaged in honest, open conversation, that's a good thing. But just to debate and argue about Genesis 1 and 2, or whether the story of Noah really happened with people who are stuck in their ways is not helpful to your spiritual journey at all. At the same time, work hard not to become judgmental and cynical. It's easy to begin to look down on those other Christians because they're not as enlightened as you are. They actually think the story of Noah was real. How childish, you think. Okay, I might be over-dramatizing a bit, but you get the point. Judgmentalism and cynicism can keep us stuck in that liminal space forever. Let it go. Love even the people that reject you. Forgive even when it's hard. And finally, I would say don't abandon your spiritual quest, your quest for transformation your quest for love, your quest to really know God, 
You might abandon all the methods and all the beliefs of your past, but don't abandon the quest. My point of this podcast today is that if you're in that disorder phase, I want to encourage you. There is nothing wrong with you. You're not condemning yourself to hell. Continue to think critically. Continue to ask questions and read widely. Trust the process. Walk the road. And when you get to stage three, you will find something different and wonderful and spiritual and more than you could have ever imagined. So thanks for joining me today. In the next few episodes, I want to look at three foundations of Christianity and try to see them from both sides now. We're going to talk about God, about Jesus, and about the Bible. What do they look like from each of these stages? And I hope to get these all out in the next three or four weeks. So stay tuned. So until then, Shalom. Shalom.